So um, one of the last questions, not the last question, because I always leave it open, what's the last one, is where are the crucial inflection point in history, right? And when you consciously, or we, both of us, uh, consciously focus less on the challenges and problems, bits and pieces, you know, riffing off the bees dancing, what gives you most hope when you look into the decades, maybe up until the end of this century ahead? So at the end of the century, neither you nor me will exist physically on this plane, mm -hmm. most likely, right? But what gives you most hope? And what do you think are the crucial components we need as humanity to make it towards, let's say, the regenerative paradigm, the golden age, the age of abundance, of healing, of regeneration. Curious to listen in on that. So it's a very tough question because we are in such dire times. And I would start by saying, I'm not sure if humanity is going to survive this, if we're not going to be the cause of the sixth extinction period on the planet through our own egoic stupidity. Uh, we could create absolute wonder here for everybody, a true garden of Eden in that sense. And yet the thirst, the egoic thirst for more and more for self is what at the moment is, is the cause of the problem. So the question becomes, what are the things that could actually change it? So, I do feel the psychedelics plays a big role. And there are two things that happened in the last century, which was while it are raping the Amazon and the deep forest where our ancestors have lived happily, they didn't live there because they had to. They lived there because they were content. And those who weren't content went to find new land and went to find new buildings and build the new whatever. It didn't come from contentment, it came from discontent. So when we look back at our hunter-gatherers, they didn't live there because they had to. They were actually pretty content in that life. Now we caused these psychedelics, these medicines in the Amazon, and they talk about how do you get ayahuasca? How did you know to make blue ayahuasca? Because it comes from a vine and a leaf. And they don't necessarily grow to next to each other. And separately, they don't work. One is actually, you know, a toxin to the body. And you ask the, you ask the medicine chiefs, they say, well, the plants told us, they spoke to us. And we moderns listen to that and think, how ridiculous. So there is something about listening to that nature call. So now as we, it, it comes to us and there are the prophecies that we are going into this very dark time. These prophecies even came from these people that said, you know, from the time of Columbus, it was going to Eagle and uh, uh, you know, Eagle and the Crow kind of, it, it, um, and, this was, um, this was a certain time in history and 500 years before the 
before the ego is going to come out, there's going to be the next level. We're, we're going into that. And unfortunately, we humans aren't listening very well. So there's going to be more and more problems, more and more problems with climate change and so on that will cause more damage and more destruction. And maybe something we will learn from that. The other big diaspora in a way is that the Tibetans were attacked and moved out of where they are. And all of a sudden, the wisdom of, of thousands of years of Tibetan practice, which ultimately is about not focus on self. There is something that exists here that's beyond self. And so when I do a meditation practice, it's about sitting with a view that isn't self-absorbed sitting with a view that isn't wanting to tell anybody anything else. It's just, how can I sit here and be fine beyond self? And so those are things that are available to us. And as things will get worse on the planet, I have the hope that there will be a rebirth to that in some way. And again, I feel the psychedelics open the door. But then the practices is where it starts to change. And so while people are into just themselves, there may be a time when survival of self is going to only happen depending on others. And it's what I feel being here in Costa Rica. It's not only depending on others, but it depends on nature. At a certain point, you live in a city and if nature is destroyed, where are you getting your food? There's only two days of food left in the city. So it unfortunately seems to me that the response to too many people in power to the problems that are happening is to try and get more powerful and more uh, dependent on what's been before. Conservative, uh, this is the way we've been doing it, we're just gonna push through it. I don't think that's going to work. But I do think there has the potential for a renaissance, it's just the recognition that unfortunately, as we see happening in the world, we're not there yet. And that means there's gonna be a lot of pain still. And those of us who really, as I, I feel so much with you and in the meeting we were just at, who really want to envision what can be, we have to hold strong to that vision because we may not make that vision, but if no one's holding that vision, it won't occur. But if enough of us just push to that vision and really are clear what that is and don't get egoic about it, I'm a small I in a larger me. And how can I, so my whole thing right now is how can, how can I help? How can I help? It's not, I'm here to help. No, no, it's how can I help in whatever way? And if we all just take that attitude, it's not that I have the, I don't have the answer. That's why I appreciate what you're doing. I, I, I feel from the moment I met you, I feel the depth of your being that really wants to find how can we see something that moves us more into a positive direction. And so if there's more people like yourself and those listening here and others who we know who can start to do that, that's, that's what the future possibly holds.
<clears throat> so I don't want to take too much talking time, but since please, please. podcasts are very different. So I feel like adding a personal perspective from Alistair. So I grew up, grew up in an activist family for whatever reason I was lucky to make a carry a very early childhood trauma I severely burned myself and I was a very cerebral child escaping my emotions by becoming that mental prodigy right which is funny it's a it's a really it's a very quick supercomputer and it took me a long time in my adulthood to basically use spirituality again to bypass my emotions so I had a lot of a kundalini experience in my early 20s god experiences unity consciousness whatnot in my whole life but ultimately it took me a lot of ayahuasca experiences uh, also including other psychedelics but for whatever reason it was during an ayahuasca ceremony where i very precisely found a vision within myself but a collective vision of peace, unity, ecological abundance, of us being uh, interstellar species populating the Milky Way in peace and harmony with other interstellar beings. I would say a couple of hundred years in the future. This was maybe, I don't know, seven years back or so in my mid thirties, I'm 42 now. And this was so crystal clear that i don't know for whatever reason i mean i don't know anyhow right i mean i will die in i don't know 40 years if i'm lucky or something right my gut feeling is the whole collapse won't be as drastic as many proclaim it, the shit will hit the fan but the very disenfranchised will suffer most those on the upper you know, schemes of the pyramid, including myself, you and others, right, will have a tougher life, but still can live. That's more how I perceive it. And I really think this unfolding of the next layer of the regenerative paradigm, new business models, restoring the earth, um, radical decentralization, also a lot of social uh, experiments in parallel to social upheaval will really take a couple of generations. Not necessarily 20 or 200, but mm -hmm. I don't think that the dawning of the age of Aquarius will happen in just two decades and then everybody's just hugging and cuddling. So maybe as a and again, this was not a question. I just feel like often I do not even share so much about me in the podcast. But uh, since this was such a rich and deep tapestry, um, what are a couple of pointers of your like last, uh, you know, comments uh, today on that funky, wild, uh, Milky Way uh, species uh, us? I hope like a benevolent species and obviously not populating just the other star systems and you know extracting iron and cobalt and copper and whatnot you know from these other planets and civilizations so yeah i just wonder if you have like some ending words maybe you know uh, 
a nugget of wisdom that you want to give to the listeners? Well, well I think what you're saying right now is, is very provo provocative. And I know for myself, having watched, as I said, my distant, more distant relatives, grandparents, great-grandparents, as they saw the need to move. And uh, I know for myself, that's why I came here to Costa Rica. There was this feeling, one of my other closest friends moved in life, moved to Sweden, in northern Sweden now. And I do agree with you. I don't know that the world is going to go through such a calamity that I think it will get worse, but I don't know that it will ever end. I don't know that it will be in a full extinction period. Uh, hopefully before that, we can figure out what to do. So I'm really enthused by, in having come here, and I'll just tell a little story of this, I had been running programs in the Caribbean. I was looking for a new place to create a retreat center. When I came to Costa Rica, there was something so visceral that happened in my being the minute I arrived. Because Costa Rica is the only country in the Western Hemisphere with no standing army. They abolished it 70 years ago. Probably the largest country in the world with no standing army, except for countries that you know, are protected by other countries in that way. Um, and the impact of that is that people feel dishonored. The people feel actually in good mood. The people have more, the money was spent on education and healthcare. And right now, here we are a small Latin American country it's not tourism that it depends on. It's actually its largest export is medical devices because actually Costa Rica has a higher literacy rate than the United States. It's also a country that, and this woman Christiana Figueres that I mentioned who was the daughter of President Figueres who abolished the army 70 years ago. She has led a movement in this country to raise Previously, it was 70%. Then it got dropped when the multinationals came to 30% forest coverage. She moved it with a group of people to over 54% again. But she didn't stop there. She's actually the author of the Paris Climate Accord. So one of the things that happens in these small countries, and this is where things may invert, is that They've joined, they started last year with joining four countries, and then now it's 70 countries that have turned 30% of their ocean territory into forever wild to protect the reefs and stop fishing and so on. Now, to make sure that happens, you know, it requires kind of policing, but still the intent is there. And so I see that the possibilities still live in the small countries. They don't seem to live in the, the, these large countries where there's no longer any, because in small countries, the president of Costa Rica visited us here at Blue Spirit and you know, he, he's just such a warm hearted man. And I love meeting him. And then I heard from some friends, oh, he goes and he does his shopping in the supermarket and he's a regular human being. And his wife is that way as well. So, but, so it's no longer what it takes to be is that you have to dehumanize 
to become somebody in the political realm. And so if we have a breakdown, there will be some terrible places like a North Korea or somewhere it's all dictatorial, but there will also be places that shine for what's possible into the future. And so for me in coming here and why I've you know, encourage people to come and just experience it. You're invited, honestly. I want you to come see it here. Is is that to live in this really changes the mood. It changes the internal feeling. And collectively, when we start to feel nature, when we start to feel a different pace of life, where we're not just completely turning on spending. People say, I, I don't have, see the computer world, the digital world was supposed to give us time. I wrote a book about the relationship of time and stress. As we go faster, we feel more stress. And the digital world was supposed to give us more time. I don't know anybody who has more time these days. Everybody has less time. And the thing that's so crazy is then when they have time, they're in a certain addictive rhythm that turns on the little machine, whether it's your computer or iPhone or whatever your tablet that you're looking at. And we just get sucked into the digital world. And we don't feel relaxed. So to me, it may be the breakdown of things that allows us to go back a little. Some people would like us to go forward a little bit, and who knows, maybe we'll create a new race and it'll be the digital race of, of computerization that creates a sentient beings. And then there'll be no problem of, of self and I, because once they become sentient, there's only one mind. And in reality, there's only one mind. I think that's a funny last uh, quote. Uh, Stefan, thanks for the conversation. See you in Costa Rica. I hope so. Definitely. Oh, oh, when Alistair says something, he's a very stubborn creature. I already know that. I can do that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We see, we see you most likely, you know, I will then ask you, where did you record it? And then I will look out of the window and then we go, go for a walk on the beach on Turtle Sounds Beach. Sounds great. Thanks okay. for the conversation. Oh, good to see you. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Ciao. Bye.